I uh, wasn't expecting to be up here again quite this soon, but that's okay. Um, I made the schedule, and I made the mistake on the, on the schedule, and so <clears throat> I deal with the consequences. Um, this morning, you, you know, have you ever uh, been on a flight where you're settling in for maybe a four-hour flight, and you get up in the air, and the captain says, uh, we have about three and a half hours. You realize you just saved half an hour. It just feels amazing. Well, that's what this message will be like. <laughs> It won't be a real long one, I don't think. Um, the topic that I want to introduce this morning, this is only an introduction to the topic, is the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, it's interesting that we already touched a little bit on that this morning in Sunday school. Um, there were, were some... References to God the Father and God the Son and the relationship there. I want to start out introducing this with some thoughts that I hope will stir your thinking and interest in this subject. The fullness of God is beyond human comprehension. And I don't want to pretend here this morning that we can boil God down into something that can easily be understood. That's not my intent at all. Romans 11.34 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Kurt, was that the verse you read this morning? See how things fit together. Me and Kurt didn't talk about this message. Other than me telling him prep wasn't going too well. <laughs> now, that question, who has known the mind of the Lord, that's a rhetorical question. And of course, the answer is no one. It's humanly impossible. No one can claim to have such knowledge and insight as to give God advice. It's preposterous, and yet sometimes we try. God is infinite beyond human understanding, and this is the point I want to make. He wants, despite that, he wants and desires relationship with each one of us individually. Now, while our relationship with God shares many aspects that are similar to our relationships with others, with people, there are differences. And the most significant one is that God is spirit. Those who would enter into relationship with him must do so in spirit and in truth. John 4, 23 says, Relationships between people are not entirely spiritual. There are physical aspects to it. We can see each other with physical eyes. But here's what Jesus said. 
to Thomas in John 20, 29. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. And then he said, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. So there was this little slice of time, 33 years in which people could see Jesus and believe. But the rest of time prior to that and ever since, he has not been seen. People have had to see him with eyes of faith, spiritual, spiritual sight. My point here is, is that God, this infinite God, this spirit, God, is inviting each one of us into a personal, living real relationship with himself. And that leads to my second point. Even though he's infinite and he cannot be he cannot be entirely understood by us, by our small finite human minds. He's revealed enough of himself to us through scripture that we can have that relationship that he wants with us. And not just through scripture but through the presence of his Holy Spirit. He reveals himself. And my third point is that because he has revealed himself to us, it says that all men are without excuse. To the extent that he has made himself known to us, we are obligated to pursue him and pursue relationship with him on his terms. And out of our knowledge of God, our understanding of him and his love for us and his will for us, grows our own love in return for him. That's relationship. That's what he wants. How can we have a meaningful relationship with God if we if we haven't spent diligent effort at getting to know him? If we haven't understood what he has revealed about himself to us, we haven't availed ourselves of that. How can we have close fellowship with him when we've spent little time trying to, un to get to know him? How can we worship him like he wants us to, like he's calling us to? If he's God, we really don't know. Haven't seen him with our spiritual eyes. How can we serve him if we don't know him? We haven't taken time to receive instruction from him. And then there's holiness. Scripture says that without holiness, no man can see, no man will see the Lord. And there's two things that tells me God is a God of holiness and he will not 
allow anyone into his presence who is not um, prepared to be in his presence. But the second part of this is, is that holiness is a product of being in his presence, relationship with him. Holiness is what we become through his divine influence in our lives. And that divine influence is personal relationship with God. Daniel 11.32, the second part of the verse says, But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And Jeremiah 9, this is from the New Living Translation, verse 23 and 24, This is what the Lord says, Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. So the point of all of this introduction um, is to encourage us to really devote our lives to knowing God as he has revealed himself to us in scripture. And a proper view of God is, is part of that. So that's what is motivating my um, study here of the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, I'm saying I'm only introducing it because um, I really am. I'm not by any stretch claiming to, uh, to cover the whole topic, but just a few points that I want to make about the doctrine of the Trinity. First of all, what is it? It's simply this. It's the belief that the one and only eternal God is three Distinct, divine, and eternal persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, you won't find the word Trinity uh, in the Bible. Just like you won't find omniscient, the word omniscient, describing God's all-knowing and other similar phrases or words that, but it's our attempt to describe, describe what we see taught. <clears throat> now the, the idea of three distinct persons being one God is hard for us to get our minds around. One of the reasons it's hard for us to understand is there's not much for us to compare to. Scripture says that there is no other like him. 
as we read. First Kings eight twenty two and twenty three. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hand toward heaven, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keeps your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all of their heart. And then that verse out of 1 Chronicles 17.20, O Lord, there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And Jeremiah 10.6 says, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. There is none like him. And, of course, that involves more than just the fact that he is a triune God. But I do think that that um, does make it more difficult for us to understand him as a triune God that truly is three in one because there's nothing really to compare him to in our our existence. Um, Something that... You might find helpful. We think of, um, we know that the human, that that humans are made, um, of course, in God's image, but we are made with a body and a soul and a spirit, and those three come together. And there's there's debate over what's soul and spirit. Just questions about that. But those three components are fairly clearly identified in Scripture as elements of human existence. And those three come together to make one person. Well, in a similar way, we could say that the three persons of the Godhead, all eternal, all sharing every attribute of God, but having different roles in the Godhead, come together to make one God just as body, soul, and spirit come together to make one person. Maybe you find that helpful. Maybe it's confusing, but that's just something I would throw out there. And not three gods, but one God. Making made up of three eternal and infinite persons. And it's not, <laughs> it's not individual persons like you would have on a uh, committee. It's not three committee members. It's not like a school board that would be, let's say, in agreement and in harmony and um, on every, every thought. That's not it. That's not... That's not the oneness that it's speaking of in Scripture. It's one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Isaiah 44.6 Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. 
I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. In John 10.30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. That's just taking a few examples from, from Scripture to show unity of the Godhead. Now, there are some who would take these scriptures and others, um, and they would actually claim that um, scripture does not support the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, but only teaches that God is one. The, that teaching is called modalism. And it basically says that God appears in different forms, different modes of appearance, but it's the same being in all three. And they wouldn't reject that Jesus is God or that the Holy Spirit is God. But to me, um, that just oversimplifies what Scripture is indicating about God. And there are scriptures that would be hard to explain um, apart from a Trinitarian view. But a far more serious question, and one is that is quite common, or a more serious view, is one that demotes Jesus and rejects his deity as not being part of the Trinity. Now, there are three, um, I'll point to three common faiths that you have heard of that are heresy. These reject the doctrine of the Trinity because they do not recognize Jesus as God. Mormonism is one, or LDS, Church of Latter-day Saints, um, Jehovah's Witnesses would also not recognize. Let me just read a couple of things I uh, printed off. About what these actually teach. All right, on Mormonism. Jesus is God's literal son but a separate being from God the Father and the elder brother of men. The Holy Spirit is also a separate being from God the Father and God the Son. Uh, these three separate be beings are one only in their purpose. And that would be along the lines of uh, viewing God, the Godhead more as a committee. Um, and Jehovah's Witnesses, it's not really fair for me to quote, but because nobody's here to defend themselves, but this is, this is what this article says, uh, they believe. They believe God is one person, Jehovah. Jesus was Jehovah's first creation, Jesus is not God, 
nor part of the Godhead. He is higher than the angels, but inferior to God. All right, that's Jehovah's Witnesses. And then there's another you may have heard of is the Christian scientists. And somewhere here, I have something about them. Um, okay, there it is. Sorry. Christian scientists believe the Trinity is life, truth, and love, not persons. Um, that's all I'll say about that one. This article had identified up to nine different religions or faiths that would be that would not accept the Trinity. Uh, one of them was was modalism, which is not as severe. The, the 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 point though I'm bringing out here is the rejection of Jesus Christ as God, and Scripture shows us other than that. Um. The reason that's so serious, we know the reason, it's because Scripture is clear that Jesus is the only way to God and salvation. Anyone rejecting his lordship is rejecting God and God's provision for them. John 14, 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And 1 Corinthians 12.3 Therefore I make known to you that no one speaks by the Spirit of God, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. So again, rejecting the Lordship of Jesus is rejecting God. Now I'd like to read from John chapter 1, first four verses, and then verses 10 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then skipping to verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And then 14, And the, world became, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here John is making a clear assertion. Jesus is referred to as the Word, existed prior to his earthly ministry. He was not a created being. Verse 13 says, if you kind of step through this backwards, you can follow this. Verse 13 says, the word became flesh. What was the word before it became flesh? Jesus was eternal spirit before he came to earth incarnate. And then the word participated in creation, it says, in verse 3 and verse 10. All things were made through him. And then it says, the world was made through him, in verse 10. And then it says, the word was with God from the very beginning. In verse 2 it says, And then verse 1, the word is God. So Jesus is God from that passage. God the Father and his Son are God. Now, we have not touched on the Holy Spirit yet. Um, we'll get there in another message. It's not sufficient to say that these are ma different manifestations of the same being. Matthew three sixteen and 17, uh, at Jesus' baptismal, that's one of the most common ones uh, Trinitarians will point to uh, to show the presence of the Son, Submitting, being baptized, going down into the river, and the Spirit descending as a dove from heaven. And then a voice, which was God the Father, saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And so those three elements together, you're familiar with that story, show the presence, simultaneous presence of the three persons of the Godhead. And then John 16, 13 through 16, a couple passages here from John. But when he, the Spirit, this is Jesus speaking, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth, into all the truth. And he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he speaks, and he will disclose to you what is to come. All right, so Jesus, actually, let me read the next passage too. This is another illustration of the same thing. John 17, 6 through 8. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have, I'm sorry, I'm slaughtering this one. It's not a, it must be a different translation I copied out of. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. 
they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. All right, well, both in both of those instances, Jesus is praying to the heavenly to his heavenly father. And he also refers to the spirit of truth. Um, in the first passage, he says, will come. And he's referring to him in the third person. So praying to the father and referring about another one to come. Those scriptures don't make sense unless you view the, 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 the Godhead as being um, in the form of three distinct persons. If it was really God in three different forms, um, why the reference to other persons? That's all I'm going to share um, on the Trinity this morning. I probably will pick it up again in another message uh, because, like I said, we've not really touched on the Holy Spirit. We haven't worked. Um, we haven't dealt with the work of the Son. We've really not touched much on the role of the Father. Those are all things I would like to explore more, um, but this is an introduction to the, to the topic, and hopefully... Um, piques your interest in it. Big takeaway that I would like to leave with you this morning is uh, the, the God being so infinite and so beyond our understanding and yet desiring relationship. And he's obligated us to that, right? He's, he's made the He's taken steps in our direction. That's putting it very mildly. And let's be faithful in responding to that. We can know him. We can have relationship with him. And, and even though he's spirit, we cannot see him with our eyes. By faith, we can reach out and know him and, and know his heart and understand his will for us. Let's commit ourselves to that. God bless you all.